Welcome to Nutrition Grad Guide. I'm your host, Shana Sapi, a qualified nutritionist and multi-passionate entrepreneur. I created this podcast to help nutrition grads just like you navigate your way into a career and a life that you love. In each episode, I'm going to bring you interviews with experts in the nutrition and health field, exploring a range of different career pathways. We'll learn about what they do, how they got there, and their advice to help you grow a successful career as a nutritionist or a natural health professional. Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest on the podcast is Stephanie Velakis, who is incredibly inspiring, and she is an accredited practicing dietitian and nutritionist who specializes in women's health and fertility. Um, she does a whole range of different things, which I'm really excited to dive into each today. She's got her own podcast. She does one-on-one nutrition consultations. She's got online programs. And yeah, she just puts out so much valuable content out into the world through her socials as well. So she is certainly an inspiring one to follow. So thank you so much for being here today, Steph. It's great to have you. Thank you so much, Shana. What a lovely introduction. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. All the truth. <laughs> um, so let's get into it by talking a little bit about how you got started in this space. Yeah, I guess I got started pretty early after I graduated as a dietitian. I was working in a generalist capacity at a combined allied health practice um, and I was employed um, and I was working in that practice seeing the whole variety of different people, weight management and diabetes and malnutrition and kids and pregnant people and just a big spectrum of things. And I always had a strong passion for early life nutrition, which I always thought would lead me down the pediatric kind of path. And I definitely had my heart set on children's nutrition very early on. I did all my placements in pediatrics in my final year of my master's and um, I worked in a private practice that focused on pediatrics part-time as well. Yeah. So I had a lot of peds experience for a new grad. Um, and yeah, I, I started to really, I, I loved my peds work, but I started to really notice the trends that a lot of the issues that young children, especially toddlers were experiencing could really be traced back to what happened in pregnancy and even preconception in parents' kind of medical history um, and even their nutrition choices. And so I really started to go back to my fundamental uh, genetics and physiology and, you know, the parts of our degree that sometimes we maybe block from our memories (laughs) about how, you know, we become who we are. And it really does start with the health of parents. And so, yeah, I did, I went and did the nutrition plus um, course on nutrition therapy for fertility and pregnancy, which is run by Melanie McGrice down in Melbourne. And I did that workshop and I pretty much came back and I was like, yep, that's what I want to do. I want to get into fertility. Um, I feel like I know a a lot more than I did before this program. So now I'm just going to dive right in and yeah, I basically just started marketing myself whilst I was still working for that other practice um, in the fertility and women's health space and started to grow a bit of a clientele. And I basically went, oh, I could could totally do this for myself. Um, And so I decided to leave that practice and go solo and start my business, which is now The Dietologist. Yeah, Yeah. incredible. And what a brave move as well, stepping away and (laughs) 
going out at it yourself because it can be scary, but you've, what you've built is amazing. So it's great that you did take that plunge and throw yourself all into the dietologist. So yeah. about how you grew that and how you got it from just starting with a few clients to now being your full-time job, like your full-time yeah. job. Yeah, uh, it certainly wasn't an overnight transition. Uh, definitely a, a progressive kind of journey. Yeah. Um, I when I first started out, I started just by approaching different contacts that I had made um, and kind of networks. So I would approach other dietitians. I would approach doctors that I felt like had similar client groups that I wanted to work with. Um, specific GPs that were like specialized in women's health or had an interest in women's health. I saw a lot of those types of clients. So I just basically, I started by just approaching people and being like, Hey, I want to do this. Do you think I could use a room here? Um, And that's basically how I started. So I kind of started the traditional private practice way where you approach a bunch of GP clinics and hope somebody says yes. Um, And I had about three clinics, but one was at a specialist practice, a fertility and specialist and gynecologist office. And that by far was the one that always was busy and, you know, no one ever, you know, minimal cancellations, minimal no-shows, like a lot more committed. And what I found was the other GP clinics were, Sometimes I'd get my specialist kind of niche from my kind of online marketing, but most of the time I was just getting kind of generic referrals again. And I was like, no, this is what I was trying to get away from. I don't want to go back into this whole generic referral spiral again. I just don't want to do it. And so I ended up getting out of that at the same time I was doing this part-time. So I wasn't full-time in all these different clinics. I was also still working part-time in my PEDS private practice. Technically it was a contractor role. So technically it was my own business. Um, So I still had to do marketing for that. I still had to do all my own bits and bobs for that. So it wasn't like it was completely self-sufficient. I still had to work Um, pretty hard to get referrals through there as well. So that's pretty much how it started. And that was the end of 2018. And then I kind of all of 2019, which was last year, I spent a lot of my time and energy in both social media, which I had started earlier, relaunched earlier in 2018 as the dietologist off the back of my student dietitian blog which used to be called dietitian to be so I actually just relaunched as a blog I didn't really funnel referrals or anything like that Um, and then 2019 I spent a lot of my year marketing the old-fashioned way going to GP clinics visiting specialists phone calls emails blogging like all different kinds of ways to try and get more clients basically. Um, But by the end of last year, I kind of noticed the majority were coming from a couple of key specialists Mm -hmm. and the rest was social media. And so I just kind of went, man, I spent a lot of money because you have to buy everybody lunch 
first of all, or coffee <laughs> or something, and time and stress, <laughs> only often to be cancelled on last minute because obstetricians have to go deliver babies, which is fair enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, I just spent so much time and energy trying to chase down practice managers and um, make nice slideshows and in services. And I just went, you know what, the return that I'm getting on this investment of time and money into this type of marketing isn't really generating what I thought it would in my business. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought, you know what, this year, I'm not going to do any of that. You know, I'm just going to put all my time and marketing energy mostly into social media. I'll maintain the relationships I have. I'm happy to maintain relationships, but I'm not really going to set out and establish brand new relationships. And ever since I did that, and this is the importance of evaluating things regularly as a business, um, ever since I did that, that's when I think I started to experience the most growth in terms of my clientele. Yeah. And then June this year was when I officially quit my pediatric position. So I was still maintaining that one day a week. Mm-hmm. And that's when I quit and I was like, I'm going pretty much 100% all in on my own. Yeah. And yeah, wouldn't look back now. <laughs> so but it wasn't that long ago is, is, is what I'm trying to get at. Like it didn't, it wasn't a year. It was really a good 18 months. Yeah. And Last year I, and this year, I'm not saying I didn't work hard this year, but last year I worked very hard. Like now that I look back since COVID's happened and I spend most of my time at home, I was running around like a headless chicken, chicken all around Sydney. Like <laughs> I look back and just go, whoa, like I was doing so, so much. Mm. Um, and now I do less things, but I invest more time and more energy and I do them better. Mm. Um so that's kind of my lesson learned. But yeah, I mean, I think having one core offering when you first start, so like one core service or one core product and then diversifying from there. So um, only really 2020 was the year I started releasing digital products like eBooks and meal plans and things like that. And then the program was really born out of COVID. Um, so the waiting game. And yeah, it's kind of just rolled on from there and just kind of testing things out, evaluating how they go and then going, great, that went great. Let's do that again. Or, you know, that was rubbish. Let's, you know, either tweak and refine or, or pivot or get rid of it and try something else. So that's kind of been the process this year. And my goal was really to expand my digital offerings. And now I'm a fully telehealth practice, which is what I always wanted. And I have a growing suite of digital products and services. So that's kind of my goal um, with it this year. And yeah, who knows where next year, (laughs) next year will take me. (laughs) Not even in my second year of business yet. So I feel like I'm still a newbie. (laughs) Doing very well for a newbie though. Tell us a little bit about how you went about developing those digital products, the process involved and all the behind the scenes, because obviously they're not just born overnight. Um, So how did you go (laughs) putting them together and bringing them to the world? Uh... Yes. No, they're not born overnight. Um, The first product I probably dabbled in, which was a bit of a tester, was my cookbook, which was cooking with the dietologist, which is, I shouldn't say was, it's still available, Um, which is like a short mini recipe e-guide of 
all my recipes from my blog. And I actually thought of this idea at the end of last year as um, pulling this together for actually referral gifts and actually getting it printed from like office works and putting it in like a little Christmas hamper and giving it to people to put in their waiting rooms. Cause I thought, Oh, that's a cool little marketing tool. People love recipes. Yeah. Give it to my top referrers. I'll pop it in their waiting room. My face will be there. Like that's a good little marketing thing. Yeah. Anyway, I started putting this together and it was, I think it was my boyfriend who was like, Step, why don't you just sell that on your website? Like, why don't you just use that again? And I was like, yeah, you're right. Like I'm going to put all this time and energy, putting all these recipes together, designing this e-guide, and then it's just going to get given to 10 people and then that's it. Yeah, that's really silly. I should totally do that. So that's when I kind of was like, all right, well, I have no idea how to set up an online store. <laughs> I was nervous about it because I always was taking payment for a service, right? So it was my first product and I was like oh gosh like I don't really know what I'm doing so I was like all right I'm just going to put it out there as like a really low cost kind of thing and just see if anyone will even trust me to buy from me and um, when I launched it I I wasn't like super impressed with the sales like when I launched it, I think it was the end of Jan or end of Feb I ended up launching the cookbook yeah. and um yeah, I wasn't super impressed with that the launch day. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's okay. I kept my expectations really low. I was like, I'll just sell 10. Sell 10 cookbooks, it'll be fine. Um, I think I did sell 10 that day, but it was like mostly my family and friends being like, we'll help you. <laughs> so I was like, does that even count? I don't know. <laughs> um, and yeah, looking back now, I could probably say this year I've sold a hundred cookbooks, but it didn't happen all in the first day. So yeah. yeah, I think just having that perspective as well, but in terms of actually building it, I think because I had the recipes and the photography mostly done, yeah. um, it was just a matter of actually like pulling things together. And I'm very fortunate to have some amazing student dietitian interns who work with me every six months. And so they actually help me with a lot of pulling of this stuff together. Yeah. Um, which is always so helpful. Yeah. And some recipes I did have to reshoot. So that was probably the most tedious thing. So it was like the process of cooking it again, following the same recipe, <laughs> which I'm not really good with recipes at the best of time because I'm a bit of a bucket chemistry kind of cook. So writing recipe book is like, not for me. I <laughs> don't know why I chose that as the first thing. I just thought that was the thing to do. Um, yeah. And then reshooting and then putting it all together. I, I'm not a food photographer. So my photography wasn't the most beautiful thing ever, but I kind of just was like, you know what? Good enough is good enough. And looking back really like at the end of the day, people there can't look awful, but it doesn't have to look studio. So <laughs> that's not what people are paying for. They're paying for the fact that a dietitian made that, you know, yeah. that's what they're paying for. So I was like, you know what, let's just put it out into the world. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it was, it was probably a lot more time over a longer period of time, but then pulling it together wasn't that much extra work. Yeah. Things that were a lot more work were things like the online program. Yeah. That is a task. So I, oh gosh looking back I don't know how I did this so basically what happened was in April so end of March is when coronavirus kind of swept Australia and 
fertility treatment started to get put on hold. And that's really when I was like, all right, this is not good. People are going to be really upset. People are going to be really distressed and not know what to do. And I tend to find uh, particularly in the population that I work with, um, when that happens, the number one thing that people want to do is to take control of some element. Um, and one element that they could do without coming into contact with anyone was their diet. And so I had this idea of putting together a four-week program because I didn't know how long, you know, <laughs> everything was going to be going on for. A four-week program of just like, the fundamentals of fertility nutrition, the things that I saw people doing mostly incorrectly in practice that I could simply quote unquote fix for them in a very short amount of time. Yeah. I gave myself three weeks to make a whole online program. So I announced the date it was going to launch as a live program and Luckily, I had two weeks off work because I had a surgery scheduled and so it got cancelled. So I had two weeks of no clients, no work commitments, no meetings. And I was like, all right, if I'm going to do it, I have to do it now. I just have to smash it out. So I designed four weeks of videos. Um, I had people help me with worksheets, um, filmed, edited, uploaded, marketed it launched it (laughs) the whole shebang in about three weeks I did it and I got about 50 people enrolled which I was super and it went really well and so I did it again I relaunched it again I made some tweaks I made some changes took the feedback on and then I relaunched it again at the end of June yeah for another four-week intake and I got another 50 women again and then I was thinking I was going to retire it. I was like, oh, that's it. I'm going to retire it now. I'm going to build something bigger and better. But at the same time, I kept getting feedback like, oh, you should really keep this. You know, it's such an affordable price point because fertility treatments are so expensive. And so having access to this kind of expertise and because um, ha- I would also do group support through lives um, lives in the Facebook group yeah. um, which looks a little bit different now but um, yeah I, I, th- I just got so much feedback like yeah don't don't get rid of this and I was like okay so I went back and I took on all the feedback again and then I built it into a different platform rebuilt it uh, re-recorded some bits and launched it again as a self-paced. So now anybody, anytime can come in and get started and have three months access to me for questions as well as three months access to the program. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's the waiting game. That's pretty much how it happened. It was, that one was quick. <laughs> <laughs> that's so impressive yeah. for such a big body of work because online courses, obviously there's so much that goes into it. And as you just described, that's a lot of stuff to fit into three weeks. And yeah, I'm like, don't even know what to say to that. It's quite impressive. <laughs> I, yeah, I work quickly when I need to work quickly. Most people know this about me, but um, it's not good to advertise because then uh, people, uh, yeah, really expect things to be turned around in a very short amount of time. When yeah. I have the time available and I'm really determined, I'll get it done if it's not a priority. It falls yeah. down the list. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And how are you finding the difference between having those live launches and now having it more on that evergreen style? Evergreen is definitely harder because there's no kind of deadline for people to work towards. The urgency. Um, There's no urgency, exactly. So my plan is I have a few different strategies in place. So I've recently implemented um, a software called Deadline Funnel, which is kind of like a countdown timer that creates kind of an urgency uh, for a particular bonus offer or you could do a discount, but I've got like a bonus meal plan um, offer at the moment. Um, So that has been working well. And the other thing that I'll be planning on, well, that I will be doing um, in the next couple of weeks is launching a live webinar. um, And I'll be using that as well to help with the waiting game sales and also just awareness as well. Um, And then that will go on to an evergreen kind of funnel for Facebook ads and things like that. So I'm running Facebook ads at the moment, but I will also end up switching it over to the webinar as a free webinar and then getting people in through there as well. So it's a bit of experimentation, to be honest. Um, It pays itself off in a way because it basically pays off the Facebook ads and then anything extra is just extra. Um, But it's also a really useful tool for clients who may not be able to afford to work with me one-on-one and they still want some of that advice and they can at least go into the program and they still get something from me. Um, So I'm also got that as kind of like a different price point service offering um well it's a product but yeah it's kind of it's almost like a service so yeah I think that's kind of the the pros and the cons of a live versus a a evergreen is there's no urgency but then uh, when you do a live you get so many people like oh I can't this time I'm moving house and I've got this on or I've got that on and so then it doesn't like it's not the right time for them. Um, So I I don't think you can win, you know, doing live launches all the time is exhausting because (laughs) the amount of energy you need to bring in to do lives. Uh, You've got weekly commitments in like to do a one hour live every week for a month, which is another hour out of a very full diary already. And then you've got all the launch hype. And I just think as well, people on, especially on socials, like, you don't want to be the person that's always launching something and always promoting something. So you also have to be careful about that. So I didn't want to just continuously do live launch rounds because I just thought, ugh, I just feel like people will get sick of me and just like unfollow and unsubscribe and won't be interested in the other content that I give for free. Um, so I was like, if it's evergreen, it can sit in the background. And every time, you know, somebody shoots me a DM, like, what about this, this and this? And I can be like, well, you know, these, all these things are answered in my program. Otherwise, you know, you're going to have to go and dig through my blog and find the answers um, (laughs) yourself. Um, Unfortunately, I think DMs, I call the DMs a concierge service. It's always like, can you tell me more about Lean PCOS? I'm like, go to this link, search Lean PCOS. There you go. Like I'm not going to go and find you a link every single time because you can search. It's like Google. You've got this. I know you can do it. <laughs> so I call, yeah, I call my DMs the concierge service because people just use it for, for me to concierge them into different things. So, 
not fun not my favorite part of social media let me tell you yeah <laughs> but at least you do have all that content on your website so that you can refer them somewhere yeah. and not having to constantly rewrite it because that would just be such a time suck even more than just concierging them <laughs> yep and I've just gotten less and less like specific about things like I used to go and find the specific hyperlink and set no now go dietologist.com.au forward slash box search that word go bye yeah. <laughs> if you've got questions <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's totally don't, fair don't. enough you've got to respect your time too especially when you already are so busy um, and yeah. you are giving so much free content out you can't be there holding everyone's hand through it unfortunately <laughs> fortunately not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant so you've spoken a little bit about the marketing of the waiting game your program but mm. what about the meal plans and your cookbook that you spoke about earlier how do you sort of market those and get those out there yeah I think marketing of those is kind of an uh, like it's kind of on like a bit of a rotating I've kind of got a bit of a rotating roster for promotions of stuff so um, I'll incorporate a promotion of one or two digital products on my Facebook once a month um, and then I'll incorporate it into I incorporate it into blogs so I hyperlink it where relevant into my blog post so that there's that kind of relevance um, I've got the shop that just sits there so because there's a shop on a website that gets a good amount of traffic people will inevitably go hmm, what's in the shop um, and if they find something that's useful for them then they will use that um, I also recently set up affiliates. So I have a few other dietitian and nutrition professionals who are affiliates to my products. So um, they'll give their audience a discount and then that code tracks back to them and then I can pay them out a referral fee as well. So that's another way that I can market them without yep. me having to market them. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, my email list and Instagram as well is another big way that people uh find the e-guide so like having it in the link in your bio all those kinds of things and in your stories having having swipe up is helpful uh, because people <laughs> are more likely to shop from swipe up i've yeah. never run any paid ads through to my um digital products mm -hmm. um because i just never felt like it was a high enough ticket item to really warrant that i have seen people do that and i think you know, if you've got the cost of ad conversion really good, um, I think it's probably worth it. But at this point in time, it's not really my main income stream. So it's not, it's not something that I'm like, oh, I really should look into that. It's just not enough for me to really put the time and money and energy into it. So for me, most of the marketing has been social media, email, and then having kind of that rotating roster, I just have a little Asana board and it just says, you know, I've got a standard set of kind of Instagram stories, a standard set of kind of Facebook posts um, that I've done up. And I just basically have those on my phone. And when little the Asana thing comes up and it's Instagram story for meal plan A, then I pop it on meal plan A, pop a link in the swipe up. And yeah, yeah. it doesn't always directly translate. I tend to find that it waxes and wanes and it can actually feel very random. Mm -hmm. um, the idea for the e-guides in particular came from uh, seeing what my most popular blog posts were, what yep. was getting the most Google traffic. So um, diet and implantation is for over a year now has been one of the most popular blog posts that I've ever had. Um, yep. it, I think it's like 
I think it must be ranked one on Google or something because it just gets a ridiculous amount of traffic compared to everything else. So yeah. I was like, well, what can, what kind of cheap uh, product, like low cost offer can I add into this blog post that is directly relevant to the content here that this very specific audience would want? And I created it and it sells itself because, <laughs> you know, 5,000 people will read that blog every month. Wow. And even if, you know, eight people buy it, that's like a couple extra hundred bucks that I didn't have before because I don't have ads on my blog post. So yep. I, I fund the, all the web stuff myself. So if I don't sell digital products or I don't get clients out of it, then it's, it's, yeah, it's expensive to run a high traffic website. So yeah. yeah, I think those things, those kind of observations and trends that you notice and working quickly, I think those kinds of marketing things tend to work quite well. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and you mentioned you fund your website by yourself. Who are you mm. using for your website hosting? Do you have that built on something like WordPress or Squarespace or who is it? That you yeah, use? so I use Words, WordPress. Yeah. yeah. Do you find that easy enough to manage yourself? Yeah, so my boyfriend is a used to be a web developer. So oh, <laughs> um, he built my website for me and taught me how to manage it myself. I'm pretty tech savvy like I can set most almost anything up I only really call on him when I really need help like if I'm really stuck and I've googled and I've tried and you know there's a high risk of something really going wrong then I will be like hey can you help me with this I'll buy you dinner <laughs> um so yeah I am pretty self-sufficient I don't really have many issues with managing the back end anymore um i've had issues with the website but i think everybody has issues with their website at one point or another i had the shop crash i had all my all my links break the other day two weekends ago my all my blogs were coming 404 error like we all like we all have those and like because i have a high traffic website then i just get inundated with emails and dms of this doesn't work and it's just like yay that's what my sunday night's gonna be (laughs) trying to work out why the website's down um so it can be a little bit stressful but um generally speaking it's it's really good and i don't it just runs itself I don't really have to put too much into it thank goodness yeah that's good (laughs) Um, and you mentioned earlier that you have some interns helping you tell us a little bit about how you went about deciding it was time to bring on some interns and what sort of tasks you have them help you with interns yes so I think it was mid last year that I brought on my first two interns I think I got the idea from a few colleagues of mine who were like, why don't you get some students to help you with that? Or, you know, like I just, some people were like, oh, students would love to help you do that or different things like that. I think it really probably came from when I started teaching at the University of Sydney. So I do some kind of tutoring and guest lecturing kind of stuff. And at the end of every time I talked, I'd have a queue of students being like, hey, so do you need help? And I'd be like, uh, I don't even know what I'd give you to do. Cause you, you, when you just do everything yourself, it's just one of those things where you go, 
oh, I don't even know what to take off my plate. Now I'm the opposite. I'm like, what can I get off my plate? Delegate, 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 delegate. Like now I'm just like trying as much as possible to do as little of the tasks that are not necessary for me to do as possible. Whereas then I didn't even understand that concept at all because I was the receptionist, the accountant, the dietitian, the marketing person, the social media, man. like you're just everything in your business, right? Like mm-hmm. you outsource as little as possible when you don't make a lot of money. So that's what you do. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, like obviously people are interested in helping me and I've just got to find something for them to do. Yeah. Awesome. I'm sure <laughs> there's something that they can help me with. So that was kind of probably where the idea kind of spawned from. And then I just basically advertised it to my social following, which I will never do again because it was just inundation. Wow. Oh, I remember regretting that decision and I did not have the following I have now. Like I think at that time I may have had 6,000 followers and I got 50 expressions of interest that I had to manually email each of them. Oh, wow. regrets I did not really understand the whole mass emailing situation I didn't have the systems I have now but anyway yeah <laughs> uh so yeah now heads up if anyone's listening I do not advertise internship positions on social media anymore <laughs> not on Instagram anymore because it is just mayhem when I do that yes. um so now I tend to advertise on LinkedIn and Facebook and just I have a small email list of students and new grads and stuff that I maintain and so I'll email them Um, and then it's word of mouth you know once one student knows that you know their friends interested in women's health they'll tell them and yeah I'll pop it on DAA or DA now and dietitian connection and all those kinds of places and then whoever comes through whoever comes through um So yeah, the kinds of tasks I get them to do is to help with blog post writing. I get them to help with creation of resources. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I even just have like, it's just good to have other people to bounce ideas off. So um, before I started my own podcast, I I was like to the interns, I was like, so what do you guys think? Do you think I should like start a podcast? And this is my idea. And they're like, yeah, yeah, do that. That sounds great. I was like, okay. So like sometimes it's just good to have a sounding board of other people because because yeah. I'm the only dietitian in my practice. I don't have other dietitians or nutrition professionals to be like, hey, what do you think of this? So even just having that kind of um, around is really helpful and having their ideas as well, like having their, you know, they'll, they'll come up with new ideas or they'll come up with new suggestions or perspectives. And that's really cool for me because just things that I've never thought of either so having that is super valuable um so I mean the core tasks tend to be blog writing um research Wednesdays they help me with um which is like a story series I do on the dietologist on my Instagram I showcase one particular research paper and kind of break it down um so they help me with that um they might also help me with random projects so at the moment it's a lot of online program building so I'll be like, hey, I need everything you know about the gluten-free diet and endometriosis. Go out and give me all the papers Um, or, you know, random things like that. So, and sometimes I'll just have random thoughts of like 
stuff and I'll be like, Could someone just help me work this out? Like what's going on? Is, is this legitimate or no? Um, so they help me with all those, all those kinds of things. And then specific students tend to have specific kind of talents or like interests. Yep. So, you know, if one's really into recipe development, I might even end up paying them to do some recipe development. Um, if, you know, I've had uh, interns in the past that are really good at food photography, I ended up contracting her to take all the food photos for one of my e-guides. So, yeah, different different things, you know, really. Um, and week to week, you know, the amount of work can really vary quite a lot. Um, so, but there tends to be those regular kind of things. Um, but yeah, all the social media stuff I do myself, I don't, I don't outsource that yet. (laughs) Um, but yeah, all the social media stuff I do, but at the moment it's mainly blogs. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I actually had, um, Emily Smith on the podcast, her coming up actually by the time we release this one will be out, but, um, yeah, she mentioned it and I was like, oh, that's so cool that you're both coming up to get to hear both. Yeah. But yeah, she's, oh. she's loving it. It's a very valuable thing for you to be offering people. Yeah, I hope so. I always try and get a bit of a feel for <laughs> um, feel for how they're enjoying it or what they want more or less of. And I try and have those kinds of discussions at, at the beginning and um, yeah. also at the end to get their feedback as well. And um, I always try and write all my interns like a letter of reference and all yeah. those kinds of things so that they've got something tangible as well after afterwards um but I think the thing that I see in the interns that I've had thus far is like such an improvement in the ability to communicate scientific concepts to a lay audience um like both mostly in written form um, but in so many different ways and you know just even the little things like it was the other day that something I picked up and it's always little small things. And I just be like, Hey, you know, like a lot of people don't really know. Like if you say confectionery, somebody might not know what that means. Uh, You need to say like lollies or candy. And you have to also think about an international audience. So lollies, we know what that means, but a U.S. audience, which is, you know, 10% of my following don't know what that means. Um, So we need to kind of consider that as well. And so it's all those little things that it gets us out of dietitian land is what I call it. Like it it takes you out of dietitian land where you're talking about DNA integrity and this and that and antioxidants and actually go, all right, how are you going to explain this to someone who's like, sorry, Steph, what? Like, what are you saying? Like, because the thing is you won't get that in a social media context, but I get it on a one-on-one client basis. So, you know, when you say, oh, so, uh, the GI of this is blah, blah, blah. And they'll be like, sorry, Steph, what's GI? But on social media, somebody might feel silly asking that question. So they'll never ask. And then you've kind of lost them, right? Because yeah. now they're not going to get that concept that you are trying to convey. And so I think that is the biggest takeaway I see the interns getting is that really improvement in the ability to communicate um, with a late audience especially in that written format so yeah 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 brilliant um and what would you say are some of the skills necessary to go down a similar career pathway and build a business like what you've done um look I don't I find this question so difficult to answer I feel like 
there's two parts. There's, there's two sides of me. I feel like anyone can run a business, but at the same time, I feel like business isn't for everybody. And I probably fall in the category more days than not of business probably isn't for everybody and that's okay. Yeah. Um, or like, you know, a, a big business isn't for everybody. Like you can keep it small. Like you can just be you and you can just do one thing and that's fine. Like, I feel like there's this pressure now to be like the biggest, the best, the number one, the, the most followers, the most this, the most that, the most offerings. And that sometimes, you know, you would just competing against yourself because really nobody, yeah. nobody really cares um, <laughs> except for you. Right. So I think at the end of the day, I think a lot of what I've been able to build and the career path I've gone down is probably very deeply ingrained in my personality more yeah. than my skill set. I think you can learn the skills to yeah. do what I do. It's not like it's unique um, in any way. Like I don't think it's unique in any way at all. I think it's the determination and persistence part yeah. that you cannot teach that that you have to have within you to keep going and so I think you have to be okay with being alone I'm an only child I've been used to being alone a lot <laughs> not in a sad way it's totally fine <laughs> don't feel sad at all but like I'm used to being alone in my room working and I've done that for a very long time so running a business from my computer is totally fine I don't feel sad ever <laughs> um, like I enjoy I enjoy it um I think that's a key thing if you don't like making decisions don't go into business all you do is make decisions all the time small things big things if you agonize over decisions all the time and I don't mean make swift decisions that are you know not thought through but you have to be agile and so if you get stuck on things you're probably not going to progress as much as you'd like to um and then I think people just think it's going to happen for them overnight and people don't know that like I was blogging for years before I started the dietologist like I blogged for three years like I have a very extensive archive let me tell you I had to archive it because I had too many blogs my website was clunky so like I have been writing for a very like a long time for how many years I've been out of uni which is I'm coming up to three years yeah. and so I've been writing for a long time I did Instagram on my personal Instagram before, you know, everyone had business profiles. Um, I was posting my blogs on my personal page. Like I was doing all that stuff and I had social media positions at uni on different clubs and like I was doing all that stuff from ages ago. And so it's never an overnight success story. And like, that's the thing. It's like, a lot of blood, sweat and tears before you get to any kind of, I feel like, you know, you really got to give it two years. You really got to like slog at it for two years before you can really evaluate if it's really going to be sustainable for you or not. I would say that's probably like, I'm like I said, I'm not exactly at that two year mark yet, but I think that's a good amount of time to really be able to go, hey, this is for me, this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. um, 
But I think skills that you need to be a good business owner is uh, flexibility and adaptability. Um, I think that's very important. Um, The just having a hardworking nature, which almost all nutrition professionals have that. So I've very rarely met a slacker (laughs) in this, in this space. We're all very diligent. We all want to achieve. We're all kind of, we sit in that kind of type A personality box. Um, But I think, I think having some kind of flair for innovation or some kind of um, way that you look at things differently in terms of how we deliver what we do, because at the end of the day, the world's changing. And so if you are going to continue to offer the same thing that was done 30 years ago, maybe it won't be as sustainable as you want it to be. Or if you don't want to let go of things that aren't working, like what I did, like uh, for a full year, I was marketing one way thinking it was going to help my business take off. But then when I really looked back, I was like, no, maybe not. <laughs> maybe I need to do things differently. So I think that ability to analyze yep. and pivot is so important. And then I think, you know, some of those more tangible skills like communication skills, um, writing, you know, knowing how to use Canva is very helpful. (laughs) Um, All those kinds of things. And I think I have a lot of, uh, looking back, I have a lot of pieces that probably aligned that led me to where I am. I did a lot of reception work for health practices before. So I was really good at the admin side. I had a really good understanding of billing in health. I understood private health funds. I understood Medicare rebates before I was even a dietitian. Um, Like I understood all those pieces and it sounds really small, but like it can take you months just to wrap your head around that when you first start. Um, And so getting, having all that foundational knowledge just helped me get into it quicker, I think as well. So yeah, I think some of the more, you know, those small soft skills of that flexibility and adaptability, having the personality type that probably suits a business owner and then having those more kind of tangible skills Um, or if you don't have them find out how to get them and build those skills as well yeah absolutely yeah brilliant and what would a typical day or a typical week look like for you balancing all of these things (laughs) uh oh if if you could see i know it's a podcast but if you could see my face Uh, there is there's literally no typical like I know it's so cliche it's so annoying but okay basically typical week I consult with clients about on average three days a week so Mondays Wednesdays and Saturdays I see clients and so what I call those days I call those days write-offs you don't do any other work on those days (laughs) you see your clients You try and finish as much client-related work as you can, if you can. On Wednesday, it's a write-off. Like tomorrow is Wednesday. I consult from 8 a.m. to sometimes 8 p.m. or 7 p.m. So sometimes I'll do 11 to 12 hours straight and I'll have a lunch break and that's about it. And in that lunch break, I do nothing. (laughs) And then I used to try and do things, but I learned you do nothing in your lunch break. And then I pretty much fall asleep and then I deal with, anything that I need to deal with first thing Thursday morning that I need to wrap up from Wednesday clinic. So that's something that probably took me way too long to learn was to try not to like, 
attend to your emails in the 10 minutes between consultations and like, don't do that because that just makes you feel stressed and overwhelmed. Just go, I'll deal with my emails tomorrow. Sidebar. <laughs> so yeah. that's something I definitely let. Mondays is kind of like a half day. So the other half of the day, I wrap up my client work, set goals for the week, communicate to the interns what we we're going to work on that week. Um, outline what tasks I need my administrative assistant to help me with. He's another student dietitian. Yep. Um, so those kinds of things. Um, uh, other things I might do on Mondays could be social media planning for the month, could be online program stuff, um, those kinds of things. Generally, it's a ridiculous amount of emails, if I'm completely honest, because Mondays is like email day. Everybody emails you on a Monday. Let me just tell you the most amount of inquiries you get as a dietitian is always on a Monday. It's just mm, so many things. Uh, Tuesdays is like my, my business kind of day. So it's a day that I get to work on things that I want to work on. So today's been social media planning. I'll put, if I have meetings, I'll pop them on Tuesdays or Thursdays. Um, I'll work on programs, uh, when I used to record podcast episodes, I'd record podcast episodes. So all those kinds of things I do on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, we already talked about Thursdays is to be cleaning up whatever happened on Wednesday, which typically takes about half the day. And then the rest of Thursday, to be honest, sometimes half of Thursday, I really lack the ability to focus on a new project by Thursday afternoon because I feel tired from the day before I feel a bit brain fried and so sometimes if I'm feeling good I'll work on um, online programs and stuff but if I'm not sometimes I'll just take a bit of an early day instead of working late um, and then Friday mornings I try and take off now this is all new I never used to take this much time off um, <laughs> Friday mornings I try and take off for a couple hours so I start work late about 11 and then I work on business related things, um, different things, whatever projects. So it could be the webinar, could be brainstorming new ideas, so many different things. And then Friday Arvos is when I have my business group catch up. So we always do business group catch up on a Friday afternoon. So we talk about what we achieved that week. So typically Fridays is when I'm trying to tick all those boxes so I can actually say I achieved something that week. <laughs> Thursday, Friday is really the opportunity I get to actually achieve the goals of the week. <laughs> yeah. And then if I'm working Saturday, I take one Saturday off a month um, from clinic, but Saturdays are pretty much always chock a block with clients. Um, and then pretty much all Saturday afternoon, I'll end up uh, doing client related stuff. Yeah. And then Sundays are off and then repeat. Um, and then in between all that, I do some random consultancy work. I might supervise a dietitian. So sometimes I have ad hoc dietitian supervision meetings. I have a mentee, so I'll mentor her once a month. So yeah, there tends to be like monthly things, like a monthly accountant meeting, a lawyer meeting, a this meeting, a that meeting. There's a lot more meetings uh, now since yep. life has kind of gone back to normal in Sydney. Um, but uh, I kind of I kind of forgot how much I kind of hate meetings. <laughs> I hate meetings. Like I like being able to connect with people, but at the same time I also see it as like it's good in a way because it like makes me like work to a deadline. I'm like, crap, I've got to get all this done before this meeting. Yeah. But 
Um, at the same time, I feel like it makes my day a lot more stressful because I'm like, oh, I actually need to achieve everything for the day before this meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't know what can happen of what's going to happen. So, yeah, that's pretty much a week. Um, I It used to look a little bit different before I had an admin assistant and things. It was a lot more administrative stuff that I would take care of. Um, yeah. But now that I have somebody part-time to do that, a lot less. So that's why I can kind of afford to have a Friday morning off and I kind of afford to have a little bit of time off on a Thursday afternoon kind of thing. But that's not every week. I'm going to be real. If there's yeah. some weeks I'm on a roll, I just keep going. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll go to like nine o'clock at nine. Wow. <laughs> <That's> really <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> depends. It depends. If I really like am into what I'm doing, like when I'm building programs and stuff, I'm always up late because I'm like in the zone and the time's passing and I haven't realized kind of thing. So yeah. when I'm when I'm working on a passion project, it tends to the time just goes and doesn't really feel like work anyway. So it's all good. Yeah. Wow, that is jam-packed. You do well to balance it all. <laughs> you call that balance <laughs> yeah, probably less balance but you know yeah I mean. yeah I'm not sure the people around me think I have balance anymore <laughs> um and what is your vision for the dietologist um it's a great question I wish I did the things that you're told to, that I teach my students to do at uni and write a vision and mission statement before you start a business and all that good stuff but honestly I think it evolves all the time like I would I mean I really love to be that kind of go-to in the space of fertility nutrition and I'd like to be able to extend that to a a bigger scale so whether that be you know Australia-wide or worldwide or whatever that would kind of be my goal and I really want to be able to reach more people and I'm really just want what I'd really love is for people to go, oh, thinking about having a baby, I need to go see a nutrition professional. That's what I really love. Yeah. But to do that, you need to raise so much awareness of how important it is and you need to actually educate on so many different levels. And, you know, I've, I've attempted many times to educate other healthcare professionals in the space, which is improving. But I would say definitely what I see being most effective is kind of the grassroots kind of approach where you educate the public and then they then do the kind of groundswell for you to the medical professionals to kind of get them on side, Um, which is kind of the approach I've probably taken more this year. And that's really the role of what social media does in my business. So, yeah, I think that's kind of my goal with the dietologist and, yeah, looking to grow the team very soon, which is super exciting. Um, so we're bringing on another dietitian soon. And, yeah, I think that that'll kind of be the, the, the at least the, the short-term vision. Um, and, yeah, looking to launch Get Pregnant with Endo, my second online program, which will be a lot bigger um, than the waiting game in the next kind of few months as well. So trying to work towards that as well, which is super a bigger, much bigger project. Can't do that in three weeks, let me tell you. <laughs> face yourself this time. I wish. I wish, yeah. yeah. Definitely facing myself this time. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, That all sounds really exciting and it'd be great to see all of that unfold. 
Um, one quick fire question for you. If you could mm. recommend one book for the listeners to read, what would it be and why? Ooh. Oh, what was that book that I was reading not that long ago? Ah, well, I recently started reading, although I haven't made a significant of enough dent in it to really say, go and read it. I'm really bad at reading. I'm not going to lie. Because that. when I finish yeah. a day, I want to read. <laughs> oh, those I want mindless trash TV and TikTok. <laughs> like I don't want to read. Um, I find when I take time off work, that's when I'll read because I want the mental stimulation. But yeah, I recently picked up start. I think it's called, let me look, Start With Why by Simon Sinek, which yep. I think is a really popular kind of marketing book. I just put, picked it up at, um, at one of those like swap book, book swap things. Um, and I know a lot of people have talked about um, buying that before, but I think, you know, you need to really understand why you're going into business yeah. um, before you go into business and not just going into business, but why your service or product is the one to choose over somebody else. Because that's yeah. often one of the hardest questions you'll ever get asked as a business owner or as a nutrition professional, if you practice, he's like, why should I see you instead of blah, blah down the road or blah, blah, who bulk bills in a medical practice. And it's just like, you need to know exactly why you're different, how you're different and, you know, almost justify why you charge what you charge or why you are the best or, you know, all those kinds of things. And it's, it is, I'm not going to lie, the first few times you get asked that question, it's awkward because you have to like kind of talk about yourself like you're the best thing ever. But <laughs> that's kind of, it's kind of what you have to do all the time is at the end of the day, when you sell a service that you are offering, you are selling yourself. Yeah. And so you need to know why. And I think that book is, is a good place to start. I think the other book that really probably helped me, and I won't say the word because it's explicit, but um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a, insert uh, swear word. Um, I read that a couple of years ago, and I think that was helpful on a personal growth level, which at the end of the day, when you run a business, personal growth is necessary. Um, that book just helped me realize that every decision and everything I do in my business is a hundred percent my responsibility, even if somebody else did it. Like if yeah. the website goes down, doesn't matter if my boyfriend's a web developer, it's my responsibility. I need to fix it. It's nobody else's fault, but my own. Like when you take a hundred percent responsibility for everything that goes right or goes wrong, mm -hmm. game changer. <laughs> mm -hmm. So Maybe that book is probably a better recommendation ever start with why, given I haven't fully read it yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard very good things about both. So they're two very yes. good recommendations. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so this has been an incredible episode and I could keep picking your brain because you obviously have so much experience. But um, before we do fully wrap up, do you have any parting words of advice or wisdom for the listeners? Yeah, I think the biggest piece of advice that I think I gave myself was before I started was start before you're ready. Yeah. Cause you'll never be ready. <laughs> <laughs> you'll never be ready. And like, it's true for so many things in terms of my work now, because like not only in terms of business, but also in terms of um, like, I guess in the population I work with is, 
trying for a baby, right? Like there's almost never a good time to have a child. There's (laughs) certainly better times than others, but there's never a perfect time. And so I feel like that phrase, start before you're ready, is like the thing that helped push me through when I was really nervous to start with and a bit apprehensive and don't even know how to set up a business bank account and doing all those kind of fundamental things. But I just kept going, you know what, just start before you're ready. It's it's okay. You'll work it out. And, you know, you're not the first person to do this and you won't be the last. So you can always ask somebody, you can always look it up and you can always pay someone else to do it. So there's always a way to get things the way that you need it to be. Um, But yeah, I I think that always helped me move forward was that kind of phrase. So I think that is definitely my parting words of wisdom. (laughs) Yeah. And what a great note to leave it on as well. Such important advice. Completely agree with that. Um, Before we do wrap up fully, let us know where can the listeners find you and follow along your journey and learn more about all these amazing things that you're putting out into the world. Yeah, so you can come hang out with me on Instagram. I have two profiles. So the underscore dietologist is my main profile. And then I have my sister page, which is endo.dietitian. Um, so come and follow me over there. Um, my website, thedietologist.com.au. I also have Facebook pages, but I don't even know who uses Facebook anymore. Yeah, <laughs> apparently people do. Um, and then my podcast is Fertility Friendly Food, which is on all podcasting platforms. And if you're a student or a new grad or a nutrition professional, I have a online workshop coming for you very soon in December. So if you would like to register for that, I might give you the link to drop in the show notes. That'd be great. Um, Yeah. So I'm planning to run that in December and dive into a little bit more about a career in like mine or career in dietetics and online business and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Brilliant. And I will link to all of those in the show notes and all the socials we share so people can find you nice and easily. But thank you so much for being here today and sharing all of this amazing advice and your journey so far. It's been such a pleasure learning from you and hearing all about what you do. Thanks so much for having me, Shana. It was super fun to chat. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I feel like I gained so much valuable insight and advice from it and I hope you agree. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review and tell me what you think. I would love to hear your feedback. Do you know anyone else that this episode can benefit? I would be so grateful if you share it with them. That way, they too can benefit from all of the insight that we covered today. Your support means so much to me and together we can help even more people build a career and a life that they love. Thank you for being here. Until next time, keep making your dreams a reality. Thank you.